I was at a wedding at uh, probably a couple of years ago. I, I performed the wedding, and after the wedding, we had the reception and just a wonderful time. We had a meal, and I was in line uh, standing, waiting to get the food in the little buffet line they had. And there was a gentleman that was right in front of me, and he turned around. He he said, you know, hey, I, I understand you believe in God. I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, I just performed the wedding, you know, right? Uh, I said, yes, I do, of course. And he, after talking, he explained that he was an atheist. And I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. And so, <laughs> and uh, I think the people who I performed the wedding know exactly who I'm talking about. But um, he told me he was an atheist. And so we continued to talk, and we sat beside each other at dinner, and we agreed that we could ask each other a couple questions just to be able to learn from each other. I'm not going to change this guy's mind. I'm not trying to change his mind. Well, if he could be changed, I would try. But uh, we agreed to ask each other questions. So the first question I asked him is, why does he not believe in God? Why does he believe that God does not exist? And the answer that you've heard so many times and it has come out so many times and it is so prevalent. If there is an all-loving, powerful God, how can he allow all the pain and suffering that's going on in the world? That How many times have we heard that over and over and over and over again? And I'll tell you, you know, we, we're answering some of the <clears throat> comments in Facebook and YouTube and all of that. And it is a common, common theme that comes out over and over again. And of course, we understand it is based on a fundamental misunderstanding, fundamental misunderstanding that even in the churches, even in the Christian churches, the idea of salvation now is the only day of salvation. That's partially based on that false idea that God is the one running everything right now in this world. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians verse chapter 4. I'm going to get some water here. Mr. Frank said I can have the one on the right, so I'm taking the one on the right. Mm. That's good water. I think the right side tasted better there. I'm just kidding. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians. Now these are scriptures we've we've heard before. We understand these. I just want to lay it out at the beginning of this sermon. Second Corinthians chapter four verse four, and this is one of the reasons we understand who the God of this world is. Verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. The God of this age is what Paul calls him, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age. Let's turn to Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Again, just establishing why we teach what we teach of 
Satan being the God of this world and the God of this age. Ephesians 2 and verse 2. It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to, listen, the prince and uh, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So he is called the God of this age. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He is the one that runs things. Currently, I want to read from a May, June 2009 Tomorrow's World article entitled Satan and His Demons by Miss Dr. Meredith. He writes, the effect of Satan and his demons is awesome and Satan's actions are right now affecting the world around you more than you may begin to imagine. This civilization, this age The 6,000-year period from Adam until the return of Jesus Christ has been and still is a society dominated by Satan, the devil, and millions of his fallen angels or demons who followed him in rebellion against the Creator God. Miss Dr. Meredith continues, So Satan, the devil, truly is the God of this world. He is a genuine spirit being who greatly influences the actions of human beings subject to God's overruling power. He's still subject overall to God's overruling power. As we see, the the, the demons had to come out when Satan talked when I'm sorry, when Jesus told them to come out of those they had possessed. They still are subject to him, subject to God's overruling power. He is allowed to strike at nations, influence the behavior of demented dictators and rulers, and cause this world to be heading for disaster. This is something that most don't understand. It's misunderstood and has caused many to lose their belief in an all-powerful creator God because of this fundamental misunderstanding, thinking that God is the one currently running this world, this earth. Many have gone through life conflicted with the question, if there's an all-powerful, loving God, how could there be all this pain and suffering? There's a lot of reasons for that. We're going to focus on one of those reasons today. That is that Satan is the God of this world. Based on the verses we just read, we understand in God's church that Satan is actually the one currently running things. And because of the holy days, we understand that it is only for a short time and then it's over. And we understand what the future holds. So in today's sermon, we're going to review the details from scripture of our understanding of Satan being the ruler of this world. We're going to go through scripture and review why we understand that, what scriptures show us and give us clarity and the history of Satan's rulership of this world. 
So the sermon will be broken into three parts and then we'll briefly discuss how it impacts us, what the implications are in our life. First, we'll briefly review Satan's his, I'm sorry, Lucifer's history and how he became Satan. Next, we'll see that he was given authority over the earth and remains in authority even after his rebellion. Then we'll see from scripture that his authority will end when Jesus Christ returns and locks Satan away. And again, finally, we'll just look at what it means for us, what it means in our lives. Title is Satan is the God of this world. Very simple. I was going to have a much longer title, but my wife said, no, that sounds dumb. Shorten it up. Thank you, wife. So before we get into it, let's turn to Colossians 1. And verse 16, Colossians 1 and verse 16. Here we see where who created all things. We see where these powers and authorities came from. First, I'm sorry, Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. All things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all authority, all powers, all sovereignty is ordained by God. All things were created through him and for him. That is important to understand. That's important to understand before we get into it, because God is the one that has allowed these things for a period of time, only for a period of time. So let's get into the the first part, and that is the history of of Lucifer before he became Satan and, and how he became Satan, the devil, and we're familiar with this. None of what we're going to go through is new at all. This is just reconfirming and reiterating why we believe and why we understand this on a topic that, again, so many have fallen to misunderstanding. So Ezekiel 28, we're familiar with Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 is where we see. Some of the history of Lucifer. So Ezekiel 28 and verse 12. Lucifer was created a perfect being. Ezekiel 28 and verse 12. Okay. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. And say to him, thus says the Lord. This is speaking of Satan, the devil, or who became Satan, the devil. You were the seal of perfection, perfect seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. It was a perfect. He was a perfect creation of God. You were in the in Eden, the garden of God. That's interesting. 
Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis and topaz and diamond, the beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. He was created beautiful and perfect. Verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. We understand he was one of three with Gabriel and Michael. Given great power, great authority. I established you. You were in the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways. Perfect being here. Perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. It says again, uh, going back in middle of verse 14. You are on the holy mountain of God. We understand that the mountain to represent government. So he was he was working within the proper true government of God at one time. That was his life. He was living by God's laws at one time. But he allowed his beauty and great authority to go to his head. Verse 17. Your heart was lifted up. Because of your beauty, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. He became corrupt and perverted and twisted. He allowed what God had given him, which only came from God, to go to his head. To become puffed up. Verse 15. You were perfect in your ways from the days you were from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Sin started to pop up in his mind and he had entertained it and he allowed it to continue and marinate on it. Verse 16, by the abundance of your trading or slandering or possibly politicking. You became filled with violence within and you sinned. So here we have Satan or Lucifer. Who was created perfect. He was righteous. He was working within the government of God. He was created beautiful. And perfect. And he sinned. He allowed sin to enter in. So we see that Lucifer was created as a righteous being and the history of his rebellion. Just want to establish that as our our first major point. Second, we want to look at that Lucifer was given rulership of the earth. Lucifer was given rulership. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see in a minute and we'll get into some of the scriptures in a minute that he was uh, given this rulership, but this responsibility of authority that he had, had gone to his head. 
the it wasn't good enough. What he had wasn't good enough. He wanted more. And some of these are the lessons we can take from this. Boy, the lesson of I, I remember at the men's camp last year, one of our uh, uh, one of the men there said that his brother apparently would, makes a lot of mistakes in life and says, I don't want to do things the easy way. I want to do things the hard way. That's what his brother said. He said, well, OK, I'll watch and learn. You know, that's that you could watch someone else and learn from it. He said, I want to do things my way. Well, that's the hard way. So the, the young man at camp said, well, I'll just uh, watch and learn. So we can watch and learn from Satan. Let's go to Isaiah 14 and verse 13. Isaiah 14 and verse 13. He wanted more. What he had been given, all that he had, one of three powerful, of the most powerful angels, wasn't enough. And you know, one thing about that, with the idea that I want more, how dangerous is that? We are all... All of us at all times will always be subject to those above us. And really, we, there needs to be an understanding of, of, of where we stand and who we are. How many have risen up, even in the church of God, and said, oh, you know, and started their own churches over time? Because somehow, they, they miscalculated in their head about where they really stand in God's eyes, thinking too highly. The angels will always be where they're at. They're never going to become a part of the family of God. That's not what they were designed for. And there's a choice. They, they can be either happy with that or they can rebel against it. And be unhappy with what God has ordained. And all of us, no matter where we're at, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, being thankful that we are where God wants us to be. Whatever that is, being thankful with what God has ordained. Isaiah 14 and verse 13. For you have said in your heart. Now, listen, there's some key parts in this. I will ascend into heaven. So here's Lucifer, the thoughts of Lucifer. And he says, I will ascend into heaven. Where was his domain? I will exalt my throne. He was given a throne clearly. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So here we have Satan, the devil, or again, Lucifer, saying, what I have isn't good enough. I will ascend 
into heaven. I will exalt my throne, my authority above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. And when it says the farthest side of the north, we we understand through other scriptures that uh, in, in some way don't I, I don't understand exactly how his throne is in the north. But he's talking about going up against God's throne. And God's authority. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Again, the picture is he is on earth with a throne and with authority. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This, can it be any more disgusting and arrogant than that? I will be like the Most High. What God had ordained, what God had given him, was not enough. He wanted more. He wanted more. So we see he went, it appears, to take on God and his throne. Let's go to Revelation 12. <clears throat> he went to take on God and his throne and to think that, <laughs> to, to, I mean, how messed up is it? And, and again, I, you know, even the, the angels don't speak evil of him. He is an authority. But there is a perversion here for sure. There is a perversion here. Revelation 12 and verse 9. But, but again, how messed up is it that he thinks that he can take on God and win the battle? The one who created him. The one who is all-powerful. Satan is still subject to him. Revelation 12 and verse 9. What happened when he went to take take on God and the angels of God? So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. He was cast out, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And we see in verses 3 and 4 that he took a third of the angels. He was one of three of the, the archangels, and he took a third of them. Luke 10 and verse 18. Again, we're reviewing why we understand this, what, the history of of. Satan being the God of this world. Luke 10 and verse 18. Here we have Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Saying in Luke 10 verse 18. He said to them, I saw when Satan had come up, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan was cast back down to the earth. First, he said, I'm going to ascend above the clouds. 
and be like the Most High. And then he was cast back down to the earth. Jesus saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now let's go back to Isaiah 14. <clears throat> Isaiah 14. And really, there's we can be so thankful that God tells us about this, gives us his history, gives us this background. Because without it, how could we possibly know? How could we know? We wouldn't know. Isaiah 14, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. And, you know, weaken the nations, that's that's an interesting piece to add on. Because he's deceived the whole world. And we see that from the beginning, from Genesis in the Garden of Eden. Deceived the whole world, deceived peoples, and here nations, the whole world. Nations are influenced by Satan, the devil. Uh, I want to read from the questions and answers section of the November, December 2016 Tomorrow's World magazine about why does God allow Satan to rule the earth or to rule on earth? It says Lucifer is a third of, I'm sorry, Lucifer and a third of the angels rebelled against their creator. At some point in the distant past, Lucifer led these angels above the heights of the clouds to take the throne of God, what we've read, leaving their proper domain, as it mentions in Jude 6, we're not going to turn there, leaving their proper domain or assigned responsibility below the clouds here on earth, Unsuccessful, they were cast back down to earth. Satan failed in his rebellion, but he remains in the office God gave him. That is key. He appears to have been given this authority while Lucifer, while being Lucifer. The, he wanted more, and that wasn't enough. And he rose up against God was cast back down to the earth, but he remains in the office God gave him where he is ironically still instrumental in God's plan. And, you know, who, who knows when God would have seen foreseen some of these things, what he would have exactly foreseen. And uh, there's a whole host of questions that might be out there about that. But regardless, he took... A, what, what, you know, if, boy, if this happened to me, I'd, oh, this is the end of everything, right? My whole plan's over with. No, God works it all out. He's got, he has it planned out. And he had the, uh, he allowed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world for us. So that uh, he can win and we would win. So Satan still rules this world. Let's go to Luke 4 and verse 5. Luke 4, verse 5. 
So here we have Jesus having fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights. And he's now being tempted by Satan, the devil. Which, just a brief aside, we were at the National uh, Religious Broadcasters Convention there in uh, California several months ago, a few months ago. And they had the, the uh, oh, VR, visual or virtual reality. And you put on the goggles, right? Oh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, just one little thing they have there. And so I'm using them and I'm, I'm looking around and you're actually at the temple back in the day of Jesus time, okay? So that the temple's built and you see the, the animals out there where they're sacrificing the animals and you can go into the temple and look and everything. Wow, it's so wonderful. And it's, you know, the priests are around and you learn a lot through doing that. And you get the, and the, all the proportions are, are correct. So, wow, you look up and it's just massive and incredible. And so I'm, I'm there and I accidentally pressed a, a button and it shot me to the top of the temple. That was interesting. I said, wow, this is where, you know, Satan told Jesus, you know, this is what I was thinking, you know, told Jesus to, to, you know, jump off at this point, you know, but it was just, you could see everything out there. And, um, I heard a voice, uh, you know, you have this on, you don't know what's around you, right? And, uh, I heard a voice that said, jump off now or something like that. And I said, what? That was Mr. Smith. He was just, uh, <laughs> Oh, I quickly said, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. <laughs> so that we had fun with that. That was a blast. So here we have Satan tempting Jesus Christ. Verse five, taking him up on a high mountain. Verse five showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Satan, the devil, with Jesus Christ, apparently allowing Jesus to see all the kingdoms of the world in the moment, in a moment of time. And listen to what Satan said to him. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. I will give all of this to you. You can't give away something that's not yours. Listen to the next part. For this has been delivered to me. All these kingdoms. All this world. And all the nations of the world. Are mine. And I will give them to you. Because all of this has been delivered to me. It's all mine. And I will give it to whomever I wish. Verse 7, therefore, if you will worship before me, it will all be yours. And Jesus Christ came as a king, or he said he, he, he will come as a king. For that reason, he was born. But it wasn't his time. And he didn't fall for the temptation. He said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the eternal your God and him only shall you serve. So here we have Satan, the devil. Saying himself, this is all mine to give. I owned it all. 
and I'll give it to you. He rules the nations, kingdoms, and peoples of this world. And let's go to John 14. And here we don't see that that Jesus refuted that. Not at all. Not at all. Satan will tell the truth when it's in his interest. But like I've talked with the kids before, when do you believe a liar? Never. Even when they're telling the truth. You can't trust it. It's for their own benefit. They'll only say what they need to say for their own benefit. John 14, verse 30. I will no longer, this is what, so again, one, he didn't refute what Satan had said. That all the kingdoms were Satan's. And here, what does Jesus say? And this is one of three places. We're not going to look at the other parts. I will no longer talk much with you. John 14, verse 30. For the ruler of this world is coming. Jesus said that Satan was the ruler of this world. The ruler of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me. So we see from scripture that Lucifer had been given rulership over the world and he remains in authority to this day. Lucifer was created perfect, beautiful as a creation of God, rebelled against God, wanted more, wanted to be like God. He was given authority as Lucifer rebelled and has authority to this day. So part number three is that Jesus Christ will return and take over the rulership of this world. And that's what we're looking forward to. Revelation 11 verse 15, Jesus Christ will return and take over the rulership of this world. Revelation 11, 15. And think about the context of what we've read already. And who really is running things at this moment. Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded. This is the the seventh trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world, who do they, who owns them now, who runs them now? Satan, the devil. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Clearly, Christ is not the one directly ruling the kingdoms of this world right now. It is Satan, the devil. And at the seventh trumpet, when Jesus Christ descends from heaven. It will be announced that he is the one that will take over the kingdoms of this world. Let's turn to <clears throat> Daniel 7. Where we see actually the coronation ceremony 
of Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Daniel 7. And these truths come out through the holy days. It becomes evident through the holy days. Daniel 7 and verse 9. Daniel 7 verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and his hair was of his head was pure like, um, sorry, was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. This is the majesty on high, the ancient of days. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Let's go to verse 13. I was watching. So he is seeing at the time of that that the nations were going to be turned over to Jesus Christ. Verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, a vision that Daniel was having. And behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. They presented him to God, the father. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And this is the kingdom that will destroy all the other kingdoms. This is the kingdom that will last forever. That all peoples, verse 14, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. They haven't been serving him. They've been serving Satan, the devil. Unknowingly and, and deceived. But that's who's been running this world. His dominion, verse 14, continuing, is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Boy, that's the time that we're looking forward to. That's the time when this world won't be in all the pain and hurt. Anymore. Let's go to Revelation 20 and verse 1. So Jesus Christ returns. <clears throat> it's announced. And he takes over all the kingdoms of the earth. And verse. Revelation 20 and verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Satan will be put away for a thousand years during the millennium. He cast him into a bottomless pit, into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more. He's been the one deceiving. Jesus Christ will take over 
Satan will be locked away and shall deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And we're going to read on in verse four here. And I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was committed to them. And verse the latter part of verse four. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That is the saints. That is us. So we see that Satan will be locked away and Jesus Christ and his saints will take over the kingdoms of this world. So. We've seen from scripture that what Lucifer was like. Before he rebelled, we saw that he was given authority over the earth and that he was uh, he rebelled against God. That wasn't enough. He wanted more and he rebelled against his creator and wanted to take on the very throne of God. He was cast back down to earth and he remains in authority even to now. And we've seen that his authority will end when Jesus Christ returns to earth and puts Satan in prison or in chains in the bottomless pit. But what does it mean for us? You know, to have the the book knowledge is one thing. But again, there are there are lessons we can take from. Seeing what Satan had done. With what God had given him. We can take the lessons from that. What else does it mean for us? It means that we don't need to be deceived. And I'm talking to all of us, but even especially some of the younger people. I say younger people. When I I was at camp several years ago, or a couple years ago, I said, uh, we're a a preteen camp. These are like seven-year-olds to 12-year-olds. And I said, young people. And, and then I said, so how many of you think you're young? No one raised their hand. It's all relative. They know young people who aren't them. It's their younger brother, their younger sister. So anybody who is not a teen yet, but you plan on being a teen one day, And all of the teens and all of us to not get confused on this. God is not right now the one running the nations and this world. It's Satan, the devil. He's the one running things. God placed him there for a time. But that time will end. That's what we're looking forward to. That time will end. And we're going to be a part of it. And us understanding that we don't have to be deceived. Understanding this truth gives context to the world around us. It helps us understand what's happening when when it's in total confusion and no one else understands. And it gives hope for the future. Let's turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Okay, and verse 11. 
Ephesians 6, verse 11, we have Paul writing. And this is where he's talking about the whole armor of God. We've all read this. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This very, very, very powerful being who deceives the nations and peoples and everyone. But we can stand with God's help. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly or high places. Brethren, we're fighting. Against very powerful spiritual beings in high places. But with with God's help. We can overcome. Right now we're fighting a spiritual battle. We don't need to be deceived in this battle. We can look around and understand why this world is the way it is. At least one of the reasons. There are, there are several reasons, a handful of reasons why there's so much pain and suffering. But, but we can understand that Satan is the one in charge of the world now. We can look around and understand why the world is the way it is and that it won't be this way for much longer. We can know Jesus Christ will return to this earth and set up God's true government and a way of peace and joy and happiness. It is part of our calling. It's part of our calling to take over this world and to reign with Jesus Christ and to fix this broken World that has been deceived for millennia. It is a part of our job and our calling. This is one of the reasons we've been called out of this world now to overcome with God's help. The prince of the power of the air and to fix this world with Jesus Christ at his return. 